for tuning in to Career Conversations, an audio series created for the University of Washington alumni community, where we focus on deeper topics to help you create and sustain a fulfilling career. I'm your host, Michaela Gormley. I'm a proud University of Washington alum who graduated in 2009 from the Foster School of Business. I'm an active member of the UW alumni community, a former member of the Alumni Association's Gold Council, and I'm so excited to be back as your host for this series. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Dr. Helen Chung for a discussion about career transition. Dr. Helen Chung is an assistant professor of industrial organizational psychology in the School of Psychology, Family, and Community at Seattle Pacific University, where she teaches graduate courses in organizational behavior, diversity, leadership, and values in the workplace. Her research interests include leadership, diversity, and inclusion, employee resource groups, subjective time, and the role of narrative in organization. She is also co-owner and principal of Pathways Coaching and Consulting and works with individuals and teams in the areas of leadership capacity, career transitions, and organizational effectiveness. She has coached numerous leaders in a variety of organizations and industries, including serving as a leadership coach with the Center for Strategic Leadership and Thinking at the University of Washington. Helen's work as an educator and coach is driven by her passion to build learning organizations and communities where individuals' gifts and differences are integrated into the broader culture. And thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Michaela. It's great to be here. I'm so excited that we get to chat. Okay, so before we jump into our more serious conversation for the day, I want to start with something a little bit more lighthearted. Um, and I just read our bio, so we know about your professional background a little bit, which is very impressive. Um, but can you tell me a little bit uh, something you enjoy doing just for fun or to relax when you're not not working and, and doing all of um, your academic work? Absolutely. So I feel really lucky to live pretty close to Puget Sound. And so one of my regular go-to things for relaxation is to walk with my Labradoodle. We walk to the beach. I usually have my earbuds in and I'm listening to one of several of my favorite podcasts. And then in addition to that, I I often sort of get the wanderlust bite. And so then I want to go explore. <laughs> I love discovering new places like cafe shops and um, seaside towns are some of my favorite things to discover. And uh, a friend of mine once told me that um, she gets better acquainted with places by walking them. And I think that's really really true for me. I think so, true. During the pandemic, I found I was going on lots more walks. Um, I think probably a lot of people were. And I started seeing my neighborhood in such a different way, seeing houses and buildings and trees and things that I just had driven past a million times. I think that's really true. Okay, but most importantly, what's your dog's name? Her name is Ellie. (laughs) Oh, that's such a cute name. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Okay, are you ready to, to jump into our conversation? Yeah, ready to go. All right. So I mentioned earlier, we're going to be talking about career transition, but to give us um, level ground before we really get started, can you start with how you would define career transition? Talk a little bit more about that. Sure. That's a really good question. So 
a career or work transition, and I'm I'm probably going to use both of those phrases yeah. throughout conversation. Um, so a career or work transition is really a job, career, work-related event um, that causes some level of change in one's job, role, work identity, you know, daily routines or relationships. And these transitions can, they're sometimes planned, sometimes we anticipate that they're coming, and sometimes we totally don't anticipate, they, they <laughs> sure. surprise us. And I am very much drawing from the transition uh, search work of Schlossberg, um, and I will be drawing from her throughout our conversation. And to go into a little bit more depth on, yeah. on the definition, um, I do want to share that these kinds of transitions, they can be small, medium, or big, micro or macro. Okay. And these transitions require something from us, right? Emotionally, cognitively, physically, sometimes if we're moving. Um, and they require us to leave or separate from something and then move towards something else. So there's this movement of leaving or separation, moving towards the new thing. And then in the middle, there's, uh, you know, what's happening in between. So that <laughs> sure. between space which is that very much that liminal space. And um, at any point in the process of a transition, we can experience an, a lots of emotions. For example, we can be excited, we can worry about what's happening or what's going to happen. We can feel fearful. We can even have some level of ambivalence, which is this very odd mix of positive and negative emotions experienced simultaneously. And that can be pretty yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then in addition to the emotions that we can feel, um, we're also presented sometimes in these transitions with the possibility of our identity changing. And um, the work of uh, Hazel Marcus um, suggests that as human beings, we're not just one thing. We're actually made up of multiple selves or multiple identities. And those identities are informed very much by our past, our history, our present, what's happening right now, as well as our future. And then all of the relationships, hopes and fears that are tied up, bound with our past, present and future. Just to give you an example, um, I think of myself, on, you know, I, I, I'm comprised of multiple identities. You know, I think sure. of myself as the daughter of Korean immigrants. I am a partner. I'm a mom. I'm a friend. I'm a teacher in higher ed. I'm a coach. All of those things are part of, of me. And, and I think most of us think of ourselves in, in those sorts, sorts of ways. Um, so when a transition happens, we're feeling a lot of things. We're thinking <laughs> a lot of things. There's the possibility of uh, our, ourselves changing in the process. And I love the work of our Herminia Ibarra, who is a management scholar, who shares that, you know, change prompts all these questions around who we can become, who we are becoming. And so transition is not just about what's happening right now, but it's also about our possible future selves. And so there's a lot bound up yeah. in position that's all around this sort of career or work-related event that causes some sort of a change. 
Wow. I really love that. Cause I think even though most people have an idea in their head of what career transition or work transition means, having a, a clear definition can be really helpful and enlightening in a way. I think, um, I know I just personally went through a career transition a few months ago and having some of that definition probably would have been helpful. I wish we could have done this conversation, um, you know, last spring. I think that will, that will be a helpful definition for people who are listening. And maybe even if they went through something previously, maybe that helps them in, in reflecting on that. So now that we have it defined, can you tell me more about how people tend to move through a career or a work transition? Yes, I love that question because it definitely gets at, I think, the heart of our conversation today, which is how do we move through transitions? How do we adapt? And Schlossberg suggests that um, how we go through transitions, I mean, really is just as important as where we end up. So destination is important, but how we get there is equally important. So in terms of um, how do people tend to move through transitions, there are sort of three responses that I have uh, observed in myself as well as in other people, just (laughs) conversations uh, with friends or with clients about transitions. Number one, I think there's a tendency to move right away to problem solving mode and asking ourselves the question, what should I do? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) And and that question is sometimes helpful, but can often hinder us from actually making sense of what's going on and thinking about alternatives. Like what are, what's actually possible here? Um, And so that question, I I would say, let's move that towards the end. Okay. Uh, have that tendency to, to just want to figure it out and solve it right away because, and here's another response, we don't like the dissonance that we feel mm. cognitively or, and, and sometimes the dissonance that we're, you know, that we experience, um, you know, cognitively or emotionally. And um, that dissonance is really kind of a natural and normal part of going through any kind of change or contemplating any kind of change because there's this gap between what is and what could be um, between who we are and who who we could become. Um, And that that dissonance brings a lot of different emotions kind of back to the ambivalence. We can feel sort of both positively and negatively about something. And that can be rather confusing and, and uncomfortable But that dissonance can be a good cue for us to then recognize something is going on here and I need to pay attention to it. It's really just using emotion as as information, as feedback for us to think about. Let's dig a little bit deeper and, and understand, unpack what is going on. And the third response that we sometimes, um, tend to have, and I kind of heard this in your example when you said you were going through a career transition, is that we feel like we're all alone mm, and that yeah. we can't share what's happening um, with other people for a variety of reasons, or we feel like nobody's ever gone through this before. Right. <laughs> we can feel that way, but in reality, it's pretty likely that other people have gone through some version of this transition 
and can offer us at least their experience and perspective. Maybe not so much advice, because maybe advice sure. is not the most helpful thing at the moment, but they can offer their perspective and their experience. We don't have to go through things uh, on our own. So those would be sort of some of the some of the typical responses that I have observed again in myself or just in other sure. people as I converse yeah. with them. Yeah, I think especially the last one of feeling like you're alone, especially in a work situation, oftentimes wanting to make a transition is challenging because you feel like you can't tell, maybe you can't tell your manager or your other coworkers, even if you're close with them um, or feel comfortable with them in, in sort of other ways. And so it can be isolating and finding someone that you can trust, have those conversations with even like you said, maybe it's not for advice, but just to sort of talk it through can, can be really helpful. But yeah, it's kind of a, like you said, that dissonance is uncomfortable. We definitely, I shouldn't say we, I definitely don't like always sitting in that and want to say like, okay, how can I fix it? But taking, taking the time to, to sit in it is sometimes helpful. Um, okay. So when we're kind of in this transition, are there, what do you suggest how like questions that people can ask themselves to sort of think through, think through the transition? Yes. So there are some questions uh, related to four S's and I'm going to. Oh, okay. I love a good, a good like reminder tool. Yes. Um, so the four S's, let me give them, uh, I'll I name them first and then I will okay. offer questions for each of those Great. S's. Okay. The first S is situation. Okay. The second is self. The third is support. And the fourth is strategies. Got and it. So going back to that first S. So when we are going through a transition, anticipating one, planning one, um, it can be helpful to ask ourselves, what is the situation, my current situation? And what else might be going on that is adding to difficulty, complexity, or stress? There might be other stressors that are present that are, um, you know, added to the particular change event that I also need to account for. Uh, the second S is related to the self. And I can ask questions around what, Internal resources, do I have to navigate this change? Do I feel like I have a level of resilience to be able to move through it? How am I feeling? It's really kind of taking stock of my internal resources and also asking myself the question, what do I have control over? Um, where can I exercise my influence and agency? And sometimes in certain situations, we have lots of control and sometimes we have very little control. And so kind of thinking through that piece of control can be very helpful. The third S has to do with support. And this is really looking at kind of beyond myself, what social support is available to me. So a good example of this, let's say I want to move, I'm making a career change and I'm moving to another location. Sure. One of the questions that I might be thinking about is, gosh, do I have family or friends in that geographical location? 
Yeah. Healthy settle and transition, not, not so much to the job, but to the new location and all that that will mean for me. And if there isn't that kind of social support, but that's something that's critical for my well-being, maybe I won't make that job, you know, that career move. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Moving to a, a new place, even if it's not, you know, obviously moving across the country or across the world and not knowing anyone, maybe, you know, maybe it's just a few towns away or whatever, even a few states away. It can be huge if you don't have the support and you, and you are a person who um, really values the, that community. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And then the fourth uh, S is on strategies. So it's, it's thinking about what my options are. And even in situations where we feel like we don't have a lot of control, there's mm-hmm. usually there, there, are, there are usually some things that we can do. So um, might be helpful to think about, you know, what can I do to cope with or manage the stress? that this particular event is creating for me. Can I reframe the situation if I can't change it? Um, Or, you know, what alternatives might I have to actually make some changes with regard to this particular situation? So thinking through, gosh, what are my options? How can I manage or cope with the stress? Can I reframe the situation? Um, What is in my power to do? These are all these are just looking at various strategies that I could employ to to navigate the change. Sure. That's so helpful. Okay. I want to make sure I got them all four S's situation, self support strategy. Did I get them? Yes, you did. Yay. Okay. Gold star for me today. (laughs) I think I'm going to put them on a sticky note or on my computer desktop or something so I can have them as a, as a helpful reminder. Because I really, I love that framework of questions. I think it's helpful to have a strategy, for lack of a better word, to, to think through and, and to work through those types of things. So next, can we talk about examples, maybe what a few different major types of transitions are that you see in your work or maybe just in your life experience as well? Yeah, Michaela, I've got kind of three examples. Perfect. Okay, I'm I'm ready. Yeah, so (laughs) these are sort of common transitions that uh, I think we see in the literature and research and also just in in our experience of moving through things ourselves or seeing other people, family members, friends, coworkers go through things. So the first uh, example or first kind of major type of work career transition is really moving from school to the job. Oh, that yeah. early career trajectory piece. Right. And um, so I have an example that, um, and I have names in each of these examples. Okay. Uh, or pseudonyms. Um, so George um, has, imagine this person, George, has just finished a master's degree, and is beginning a career in HR, human resource management. And they're very early in their career. So their role in um, the firm is as HR coordinator. And their job is really to support the HR generalist um, and the work of the team. So 
George enjoys the job, gets to do lots of different things, gets to have uh, sort of his eyes and fingers in a lot of different uh, cookie jars, if you will, different kinds of yeah. projects, is learning how to support the team, but ultimately feels like his skills are being underutilized. Like, sure. you know, some thoughts are going through his mind like, gosh, I can do more than this. This, you okay. know, um, and so he's wondering, how do I do this job, but quickly work towards a promotion? Mm-hmm. And so the change that George wants to see is a promotion. That's what he desires. So sure. how can he start moving towards this? Well, he has several options on the table. One would be, okay, I'm just going to put my nose to the grindstone, do my best work, and hopefully I'll get recognized and promoted for doing my best work. Sure. It's a bit of a kind of active-passive uh, response, which is, I'm going to do my best, and that's very active, but there's also that passive response of, we'll wait and see, we'll wait for right. people to recognize me. Right. So that's an option, and maybe that'll work. Who knows? Um, a second option would be, well, maybe George is feeling really impatient and, and, you know, three months have gone by and decides, I think I need a different job. So he could leave the firm and take a different job. Sure. Um, that's an option. A third option could be, well, maybe I'll stay for a while and I can reframe the situation as this is a really good opportunity to do my best work, to be collaborative, to support others' success, the success of my team, and um, figure out ways to leverage my relationship with my manager to be able to get some different experiences that will enable me to stretch, to actually do more of what I feel like, what George has I keep saying I, but what George has, uh, what George feels like he's been trained to do. Sure. And experiences where he can stretch and grow his capacity um, and be in situations with other leaders who can, you know, for whom he will be more visible. That would be sort of an active way to build towards a promotion. And even, you know, as he's developing his relationship with his manager is, um, leveraging that person's influence to be able to have an expanded role, get a promotion, et, et cetera. So I guess in that example, um, I just I wanted to share, here's a major kind of work to career, early job transition, right. how George might navigate that. Yeah. Yeah, that is such a challenging place to be. And you've been in school your whole life for most people, right? Up until then you start working and it's just, you have all these skills, you've learned all of these things, but navigating the work and career world is just different. It's just a different um, place to be in. And so navigating that can be a little bit challenging sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So we've gone early career to, uh, or excuse me, school to, to early career. Um, what other types of, of transitions do you see people experiencing? Yeah, so a second one that I, I often see is a role change within an organization that oh, requires okay. more of a person. 
And so this could be a lateral or vertical move within an org. And so I'm going to call this person Mary. So okay. Mary, <laughs> um, Mary is part of an organization where she's been recently promoted to be a manager. Great. Very exciting. Um, Congrats, Mary. (laughs) She really hasn't had formal managerial training. She doesn't have an MBA. She's like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to do this job. I feel like a total imposter. So what does Mary do? Is she going to fake it till she makes it? You know, <laughs> what, what can she do? So this transition is really one where the role demands more of her in ways that she just doesn't feel ready. So it's like she's being tasked with the job of flying the plane and building it at the same time. Uh, yes. Yeah. The, the I think w- it's a pretty familiar experience. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Yes. And so, um, you know, Mary's not looking to change jobs. She wants to really do well in this transition, wants to succeed. So if I was coaching somebody like Mary, you know, I I think I'd want to have a conversation with her about um, where can she get the support that she really needs and uh, both support and feedback. And so Mm -hmm. as she probably is looking for some support in terms of getting possibly some mentorship, some informal training, if you will, sure. on how to lead, how to be a manager, how to influence people on a team and motivate them them to do the work uh, to reach the goals of the team. Um, getting some of that support could be really helpful, but also getting feedback on how is she showing up? And as she's learning to do these new things and stretching herself, how are her tactics? How are her strategies landing on other people? She's going to need feedback. And so that support and feedback is going to be really um, important to her. And so, you know, Mary could have a conversation with her manager about, gosh, is there some, is there some mentorship opportunity I could take part in? But, you know, is there a mentorship opportunity that this organization provides that I could take sure. part in? Um, can I set up a, a bi-weekly check-in with you, a 15-minute check-in, just to get some feedback on how I'm doing? Yeah. That would be really helpful. Um, Mary could also check in with her team members do a check-in with them um, in terms of how she's showing up. And, you know, I would want to tell Mary, um, feeling like an imposter, it, you're not alone in that. And <laughs> Definitely <anybody>, not. <laughs> when any of us are where we're asked to do more, and, but we don't feel trained, we don't feel ready, we're going to have that sense of imposter syndrome, if you will. And it can be an indication that we're on a growth edge. Like here we are doing something that is somewhat new and unfamiliar to us. And how can I grow in this experience? The good news is that most of like the most developmental leadership experiences that people have are on the job. Doing right. the, like actually going through things like we call, sometimes we call them trial by fire experience is sure. right. Um, and they feel risky. Right. They feel yeah. Risky. We're, we're really on a growth edge. 
Uh, if we have the right support in place, uh, we can learn so much in those experiences. I love that. Okay, so we've talked about student to early career, and then we've talked about within your career, within your work, um, making a change within the same organization. I am not going to guess. I have a feeling where what your third um, example is going to be, but you you tell me what your what the third scenario is that you that you um, had in mind. This has been part one of Career Conversations, a conversation about career transition. Be sure to listen to part two for the rest of this conversation. <laughs>